This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, LSPod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin? Sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! Break a shot! Oh, a goal! post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Gets to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! Jaya. Hello, Rich. It's, it's, it's been so long. Oh, it's been a while. Hang on, we did beat Bradford recently. Were you talking about us talking? I was partly thinking about us talking, but also being able to talk about um, a home win. Yes, we did beat Bradford recently, but uh, it's nice to nice to have the vibe check and you know reflect after a, a win. It's a long time since I've felt comfortable. That's something to say about yesterday. Oh, yes. Maybe it's because you were sat next to me. Well, quite well, exactly, um, and plenty of room either side beyond beyond yourself and and Simon. The the row was was quiet, but uh, I think we had um, busyness. I think it was uh, college freebie ticket night yesterday. Oh, we'll, t- we'll talk about them in a few moments for sure. Uh, not good for the self esteem uh, <laughs> having those around. Uh, before we get going, in terms of uh, Swindon Town. Three Tramier Rovers one. JR, a Dutch consortium want to buy a football club. Ronald Koeman, Dennis Bergkamp, Henrik Larsen, and Dirk Kite want to buy a League One, League Two team. And over the last few days, that's that's left people dreaming. Although they've been on the scene for quite a while, I'm sure this has been news already. But that the, they're back again. Yeah, I remember this story because obviously everything have to relate to either Wickham or Maidenhead, apparently. But when Wickham were up for sale, who were majority supporter owned, um, I think that was a consortium that seemed to be sniffing around then. It was reported that there was interest there um, and they went with uh, Rob Kuig, who's a Republican lawyer who likes Ted Cruz instead. So who knows about that one? But there was definitely interest of that, if that's the kind of scale that they're thinking about, then I don't think the uh, side emoji eyes that I'm seeing all over Twitter is that misplaced because I think that's kind of the scale, you know, sort of sub 
20,000 somewhere with potential to develop things in their own image. I think from what I remember reading some of the press from around that time, there was definitely a focus in terms of what they wanted to implement in a training and academy sense of what they wanted to build, a kind of infrastructure there. And, well, we have no facilities so far to speak of. There is Greenbelt round, land around and about the place, so you got a blank slate there. Come on, lads, let's, let's get you in the building. <laughs> which, which of the four excites you in, in terms of these are all players from our youth, Dirk Kitemore, of our adulthood, Young adulthood, please. Young adulthood, indeed. Uh, Kuman, Burkamp, Larson, Kite. Which is the one that made you go, ooh? Uh, I think probably. You know, it's, it's it's funny. I think maybe as you get older, I mean, not to say that he wasn't appreciated at the time, but I think that you tend to appreciate Burkamp even more as you get older, looking back at all those classic when football was great Twitter accounts and showing the old clips. So... Yeah, that would be, it would be great to see on Dennis there. Henrik, of course, cult hero. But in terms of you know that status, the big bronzed legend. Yeah, Ronald Koeman is uh, yes. is huge, isn't he? Yes, Ronald Koeman is the one for me. For me, it's because of the nineteen ninety two European Cup final, the goal he scored against Sampdoria at Wembley. I remember watching that as a child. For you, it's for his skullduggery against England in 1994, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but also got a little bit of affection for Dennis Burkamp because he made the name Dennis reasonably cool uh, in the 90s. And when people found out that one of my middle names is Dennis, yeah, kids are cruel. But then Burkamp rocks up. And all was well with the world. Yeah, and then you get You Can't Fool Me Dennis by the Mystery Jets to be really cool, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Henrik Larsson really, really uh, thought he was a great player. Dirk Kite, I couldn't give a damn about. Yeah, not really. I mean, I just think of him in that, that utility super sub Liverpool role. It's not really a thing. But there's a difference between, you think of, you know, Larsson and Bergkamp as like classic 90s Premier League players, but Koeman has like that godlike status like almost beyond <laughs> yeah I, I, I'm a huge fan of Ronald Koeman as a player we've, we've given this a couple of minutes where it's complete fantasy at the moment but for all the uh, wistful conversations that's been happening across the EFL for for fans who want their owners to move on I think upon reflection this is red flag city central because one, I'm always told that the the better business people who want to take over football clubs do their bidding behind closed doors. They don't need to filter through the media. Two, they've mentioned Kuman, they've mentioned Burkamp, they've mentioned Larson and Dirk Kite. They, they're not really highlighting the fact that also Dutch football agent Rob Janssen is also involved. So uh, a bit of a bit of a red flag when there's an agent there so you know what's the agenda but on the plus side and because I I do hear a lot of comments about about like Swindon's status and, and lower league football status and whatever people are talking about takeovers the, the, the response is either who on earth would want to buy a club like Swindon Town or where are these interested parties and I think it's just 
an example that they exist, they're around, they don't have to go to the media in order to declare their, their interests, just because you you and I can't afford a football club doesn't mean there's some complete narcissists elsewhere that, that want to get involved. So um, I, th- I think it's quite interesting that, that they're, they're one of many consortiums out there looking to find a bargain. Yeah, the word consortium makes you think if you strip the veneer of like the you know the Dutch masters away that this could just be the uh, the Netherlands equivalent of best holdings going on and as you say they do that a lot of information about the potential Wickham bid out in the press so they don't tend to uh, shy away from feeding information to relevant sources which is an interesting approach. I think if you obviously you'll look at teams like Wrexham and you'll look at Carlisle and other teams that have had American interest, you know, the dream of running a uh, NFL franchise is way, way beyond the scope or scale of what anybody could dream of. But I think more and more people with, you know, some some liquid financial situations who might not be in the uh, billions and billions are thinking that, you know, it's it's an achievable dream. And when you see your documentaries on Netflix or Disney Plus and you can see that you get 15,000, and you can see what a status the English league has, then you can see the appeal. I don't I don't get the argument when people say that who would buy, because I think there's lots of interest in in clubs in general. Yeah, we all dream of a team of Antoine van der Lindens. Oh don't we just wouldn't that be lovely? That sounds so like a, a of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a half man, half biscuit song. In fairness, doesn't it? We all dream of a team of Antoine van der Lindens, and very fitting, very fitting considering uh, who we played last night. Well, we got stick for the 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 previous game where we lost uh, up in Birkenhead because we didn't reference half man, half biscuit. So there we go, and I'm sure there'll be one or two more as we move on to the attendance last night, which was. Low. It was seven thousand two hundred and forty-five, and less than seven thousand of those were town fans. I'd love to know. I, there's a lot of discussion about what attendances really are because it, it felt much lower in the ground. But also, when I scanned my season ticket, it flashed red and said it was out of date, and they just ushered me through. Yeah, and apparently this is a problem that all the stands are having. So I don't think there's a digital record. The day ticket, I bought a day ticket, so that's scanned okay. So I guess if you're taking the default season tickets plus bolting on the purchases on the day, what was given out and what's pre-sold, that might be how you have it. There's an interesting discussion people have uh, notified this week on price of football about the world of pretendants. Um, But I think with Kieran Maguire implying that some clubs like to inflate these things for... Well, it's his terms, not mine. So he was talking about money laundering in that regard. Apparently an EFL club that he's earmarked. There's one for the side emojis. Never mind the Dutch Masters <laughs> takeovers. Um, but I think that he was saying that, that you know, taking the season tickets as a default is kind of that standard practice in the Premier League, in the EFL, all over the place. Uh, difficult to ascertain, but... It's hard where you know where you choose to sit, where I accompany you in the DRS. That always feels quite busy, anyway. So it's hard to when looking across and in the town end. I feel like uh, I get the same feeling where I, you, I hear the attendance. I think I've been to a game where there was seven thousand. 
It didn't quite feel like this, but is that just me? Is everyone just is the DRS just crammed? I don't know. The central the central blocks are where a lot of the fans are and we don't see that from where we're sat. And I think where I sit in the DRS it's always always a good gauge of the of the people paying on the day because it's either busy or it's empty, <laughs> never in between. And it would have felt a lot emptier where we sat yesterday had it not been for that school slash college trip in front of us. <laughs> Who I've never, oh man, I think I ruined a lot of Snapchat photos. Yeah, definitely an opportunity for the for the selfie. There was a lot of Snapchatting going on, and now I know that if I want to be, if I want to be cool, if I've got a midlife crisis going on, then a padded North Face navy jacket, boys and girls, is going to get me a lot of a lot of clout. I think there were six in a row wearing North Face. Yeah, and even and on the next row along as well, maybe wow. the next two. Wow. Awesome. Some trademark, very grumpy-looking uh, supervising teachers as well. Yeah, good to see. Good to see. We we did get excited because for a moment we thought one was wearing Joy Division oven gloves. Absolutely huge gloves. Certainly big enough to keep wicket for the Quakers, but alas, I would have never got away with those those gloves, no matter how warm my hands were in the, in the late 90s. No, different times. I tell, Walking back to Trivenham Road to get my car, I've was kind of jealous really they look they look better like hot water bottles they were huge <laughs> absolutely hot water massive. bottle covers i should say the big fluffy ones yeah absolutely massive they were yeah i'm not the most photogenic person in the world and to be in oh i was in at least five background shots of a teenage girl's snapchat because she was right in front of me doing selfies at the swindon game um i did respect the lads attempt to do pylon celebrations every time we scored while everyone else around was doing the polite stand up and clap but they were really trying to do limbs i, I enjoyed that yeah you've got to make the most of it i mean there was much much interaction to be had from either side so <laughs> yeah get the limbs in i hope they had a, a a lovely time it looks like a fun idea it's nice to see i do think it a you know we've had lots of fun talking about it it's good to think that town are maybe thinking broader in terms of appealing to new fans and not just giving the tickets out to uh the junior football teams or to the primary schools and yeah think about you know older older kids as well it's a good a good initiative i mean last year we tried to ban them all weren't we so uh it's <laughs> uh it's an improvement on that <laughs> i think it i think it the boot in didn't you <laughs> of course <laughs> right, let's move on to this football match then. So while we were enjoying our magic chippy and, and circling round the county grounds, we saw Saidu Khan, who we knew wasn't going to be playing because he's suspended, but we also saw George McEachran. So mm. at that moment there, we knew that George McEachran is there. Uh, he's got 50 appearances for Swindon, yet to have his montage 50th appearance presentation. Uh, unless he had it yesterday and I missed it. Uh, I look forward to, to that moment. You must have had to think, I mean, I've got a nice gallery wall at my home on the stairs with lots of lovely A3 prints, and they have got those, you know, the, the standard border frames do get repeated a lot. And if you've ever gone to uh, the range or <laughs> somewhere like that, B&M, and you find that they're out of stock, it's it's difficult, isn't it? So maybe that's, maybe that's happened. But hopefully he's having his... Photoshop together. It would be very cynical to think that it was just a, a bit of lazy PR to get to famous players uh, having 
a photo with their collages and it's not standard practice. Because I did question that. Like, is this a thing? Is this a thing that people get given a a plaque? With for, their... for those who don't know, Charlie Austin and Harry McCurdy have both received uh, celebratory uh, photo collages of themselves for reaching 50. I think one, maybe, well, one was definitely 50 games. And I imagine... Charlie's was for 50 goals uh, because or it might even be for his 100th appearance I don't know but Georgie McEachran deserves one too yes of course it does my thoughts my thoughts are with um Dan Designs at this difficult time oh yeah particularly as he had um uh who is it McCurdy had a uh a sly dig at the the Kitmen pod logo because they didn't have their faces but that is of course the the style so not a good time for the designs so yeah there we go another tangent we'll get we'll get here we'll get there eventually <laughs> somehow i'm sure um so there was going to be a little bit of rotation and there was a surprising name but good to see so anyway onwards by crofting goal a back four of Minturn and godwin malife with mccarthy and blake tracy in the middle just ahead was the returning Devoy and Aguilar was our returning man uh, which was the surprising uh inclusion there, seeing that we've barely seen him for quite some time. Uh, then Glatzel in the in the Dan Kemp role with Hepper Murphy and McGurk on the wings with Charlie Austin up front on top. So I went to this game, one, because I'm a season ticket holder, so I go to as many games as I can. I've only missed one this season um, and I don't plan to miss any more. But the thing that got me out the house on the train to the ground, other than seeing your fine self and seeing Simon and having a good chat, was I was so convinced we were going to win this game. <laughs> Absolutely beyond convinced. Anybody who, who was messaging me, I was just like, how much are we going to win by today? This is as banker, a banker, a banker of a, of a win that you'll ever see. And then the, the squad was announced, and I did see a little bit of what the hell is going on here and I think this is where Gavin Gunning does deserve a lot of credit. And I've been having some really interesting conversations with people. And I'm not saying the interesting stuff. It's what people are saying to me, really, about how Gavin Gunning isn't afraid to review the opposition and tweak on the basis of what he's seeing. And sometimes that hasn't worked in this in this tenure. But this time it did very much work. And I think it's also one in the, in the debate of experienced or wanting an experienced head coach or manager versus one who doesn't have the experience because Nigel Adkins' tactics were so basic. Gunning absolutely had him on toast tactically on Tuesday night, which which he deserves credit for. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he does deserve deserve credit for how he's set up. You can't argue with uh, how it works and how it turned out. I'm even thinking back to, because the very early stages, um, patterns of play were quite, slow there was lots of the you know the classic simpsons memes football of passing it around the middle and that almost felt you know in the fuller context of the wider game that felt a little bit like a uh, a bluff almost keeping your cards close to your chest did not reveal the actual game plan which was to put pressure and terrorize the fullbacks which worked very effectively but i think that i think that tonight is a evening where you can give gunning that that credit there's lots of people who come out with it with a lot of credit it's it's just i had the mentality of going yesterday um of you know doing as as asked changing the mentality because i've got to um 
and enjoying football with my mates and just taking the game completely in isolation. So I think that's kind of where my head is at in terms of reflecting on the whole thing. But I think where we've had, we've had games where everyone has been average. And I know that I too had the confidence that it should have been a comfortable win. Um, much, much more markedly better all round. Only if there were obviously a few standouts from yesterday, but the the level of performance did actually reach expectations. And in in that moment, I'm not to, I'm trying not to get too carried away with the idea, but in isolation, it's a a good result all round. Yeah, I think in terms of the opening twenty two minutes, it wasn't great. It wasn't great because people were playing badly. It wasn't great because it was lower level League Two <laughs> trash in many ways. And if you would have stuck a gun to my head and said, based on the opening 20 minutes, who is going to score first, right up until McGurk collects the ball from the Glatzel flick on, I would have said Tramier probably looked like the most likely to take the lead. So I was I was sitting there in the in the Don Rogers feeling a little bit worried. Well, it felt a bit like a goalless draw was coming more than Tramier, because Tramier weren't applying too much pressure, but they had a lot of the ball. And we we just didn't get warmed up really until until the goal. But they I, I think fans are seeing that. They're that they're, they're not watching this game and they're not seeing us win three one and going, Oh, here we go. It it wasn't swashbuckling it was effective it did the job which is all we can ask for and there were some really great individual performances but those opening 20 minutes showed probably why we're not gonna suddenly climb up the league very very swiftly no no i know it's a a cliche to think of a team that's in transition but it it looks like a we've talked a lot about changing mindsets it looks like a team that is desperately trying to unpick and undo what the what's become habitual um and try to do things maybe simpler or differently definitely defensively where it still looks a little bit shaky and i'm thinking that as a seasoned captain and center back gav gunning really you know defensive duty should be you know his bread and butter and perhaps they are but and perhaps part of that uh that uncertainty in you know transitioning the approach from that is from changing what you do even um, if i'm contrasting the beginning of the game to the end of the game doing these simple things of you know just getting things cleared or getting things into the stands the game management aspect uh seems to be more prevalent there so i don't know if it, perhaps is a, a moot or little point here but you're know, holding it off to um make passes in some instances or you know going to lunge straight away rather than take a touch that situational awareness little things like that it feels like trying to basically undo everything we've done up until january and yeah i don't know maybe that's maybe it's just the instinction i get from that sam moore's head uh, says putting aside the fact there were more holes in the Tramier defence than all the cheese in Switzerland. It was fun. Still feels like Gunning is getting a seven-month pre-season. And over the last couple of episodes, I've been pretty defiant in my surely not, surely not. I've had a few chats with people who have, have said, 
surely yes surely yes and i think i'm i'm leaning towards whether i want it or not is a, is a conversation for a different episode but now i think i'm leaning towards this job is his i think the thing that concerns me about that in the immediacy because i uh, i hear you say that and i heard you and joe discuss that and i heard joe acklam say that on the presser and on the back of a result like yesterday where as we've said we've given we've given due credit it's it's from that that setup he outmanaged Atkins might not have the qualifications or things like that to uh, make him a candidate at any other League Two club. There's probably, and you know, this isn't a slight or a dig. This is a reality of the, you know, the depth and competition of wanting to do this. There's probably various coaches in the Southern leagues that have more qualifications. There's probably even people who coach kids football at soccer camps here in the UK, I'm thinking like um, old favourite Darren Ward doing things over the border in Hertfordshire, who's got an A licence, which he just has to do soccer schools. Um, the concern I have from that is I'm looking at this team, I'm thinking about if it is a team in transition and we're having a seven-month pre-season, I almost don't mind that if we're seeing some sort of a plan of who we actually have next year and I feel like, if I'm purely speculative here, what seemed to really undo Michael Flynn was him getting his three years. I'm better the same sort of time in the run-up to Christmas in January where other people are asking about their futures. And then when you've got that, well, I'm all right, Jack mentality, or you've got the us and them, you don't even need to make it a... There's nothing really that someone like Michael Flynn can do in that position that has to change things, particularly if you're in any business and you see that one person has got the favourable treatment and everybody else is scrambling around, that's going to set things against. And at the moment, it feels like gunning is the the good vibes with everybody. Your your mate at work getting the manager position, um, <laughs> which is probably familiar to everybody. But it could be undone if the wider sense is not managed Maybe I'm more comfortable with that if other people are offered extensions or new deals ahead of that, and we're seeing a shape of what what he wants and what he's working with. But it does feel it feels like they feel it's worth a punt. Yeah, and I think they've probably felt that for since the start. And like I said, it's, it's a conversation for a different episode, but and we will see. But I, I'm not on the basis of last night's performance, not on the basis of him out, you know, out managing as you say, uh, Nigel Adkins. I just, I just have just gone. Ah, yeah. I think, I think this is this is going to happen. But again, a conversation because he got he got Tuesday night right, very right. Because as JJ Harris says, comfortable and enjoyable. Uh, what's been a bit of a rarity of late. Uh, and I think this is where we get to celebrate because we're going to talk about the first goal now, Sean McGurk. And I think Sam mentions like this seven month preseason. And I can, my, my issue is that I can't trust Swindon to keep hold of players for this to be an extended preseason because your preseason is with the squad that you'll have in August. And I've kind of got lone mentality with Sean McGurk because he looks so real deal that I worry it's going to stand up, stand out so, so strongly that we, we won't be able to keep him 
or his agent will will find him a League One role elsewhere. We are the stepping stone and we don't want to be the stepping stone. We want at least another or at least a whole season out of him from what we've seen so far. Hopefully his goal hasn't made him so giddy he'll miss Harrogate. But it was a really solid performance. He looks like he could be a tremendous asset for this football club. Well, quite. And, you know, the the advantage is to, is to secure your assets. I'm sure in year one we were mindful to get people on extensions. And so if you're having that conversation now, um, you know, there might still be the chance that somebody wants to come in when they've seen what he's done. I know Leeds fans seem very disappointed to to lose him. And, you know, on the evidence, you can certainly see why. There's definitely lots and lots of praise for him yesterday. It was a lovely, lovely little chop and turn to get away and quick finish. It was really, really lovely stuff. But if you're if you're securing that, I mean to get him on a permanent seems extraordinary. But if it's if it's for the birds or if he's on short term is that is that just until the end of the season? Am I misremembering well, the 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 explanation of all the permanent signings from deadline day is that we've taken their contracts on isn't it and i imagine their contracts were to expire but you would be you it would be is it naive to assume that we would have first dibs and contract triggers that that show that we can extend it i don't know we can only wait until until the end of the season but sean mcgurk isn't 18 he's somebody who's waited a long time to play senior pro football I think at this stage of his career that that will surely be a lingering thing stay at Swindon let's build a team around players like Sean McGurk instead of securing that move to Stevenage or Cambridge or whatever just just for to be at a higher level if indeed Cambridge would be at a higher level next season but I think I'm just generally quite cynical not just necessarily about Swindon Town just about League Two football and how to keep a squad together. Yeah, I think if you take the veneer off where everybody has come from, it's definitely felt like that these are all people who are earmarked to, I think we said it before, they're earmarked to have those awkward conversations where they're probably just missing the mark of having uh, another deal offered to them. I don't think there's any shame if you get to that level at somewhere like Liverpool or Southampton that have, you know, elite level academies so you'd know, likes of Bycroft and Powell Glatzel perfectly uh, worthy very decent additions but yeah some level of security is very good getting these sorts of players as permanents because if we had them as loans I don't think you'd necessarily think any different especially with the the level of loan a, a loan from a Liverpool academy is always going to sit better with people than a loan from MK Dons for example but not having that reassurance um, of what their deals are, these are all. These are all. It goes down to the the central level. Like these are all easy things if you can communicate effectively. And for all the people who are in running things, many of whom, particularly operational level and football level, seem like they could be very capable. Just that absence of who is tying it all together who's the person who just knows how football works inside and out who can just steer these people that's that's the absence of it. it might not be you know a huge overhaul you just need somebody who can actually tie it all together comms um contracts 
and I get a lot of this has to be behind closed doors, but you can um, you can allay a lot of fears just by saying that you know you're in discussions or things like that rather than being shady and cagey every time you <laughs> quiz them out. <laughs> If we, if we if we focus in the moment, it's a lovely finish by McGurk, and and it's just nice to have like especially post Kemp, it's just nice to have the player that we can potentially get excited about on a consistent level. Whereas there are players that have come in that that show glimpses and then fade away. McGurk seems to could be could be the one for the run in. Yeah, I want I want that reason to feel. I mean, we've had the the old trope of not falling in love with lone players. Now with you know the current switch, like don't fall in love with any players. Exactly. Because... It's, I I hate that 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 phrase. Don't fall in love with lone players because some lone players are here as long longer than some of the permanent ones. So um, yeah, I, I just it was meandering towards a nil nil up until that moment. Lovely flick on for the for the assist as well. Huge, huge news. We're back to Glad all over. Yeah, I don't really approve of that. I want um, XTC back. Too many painful power memories, and it's a Crystal Palace song, and it should just be stopped. <laughs> and and our punishment for that in the early was was an instant equaliser. Well, a minute or so later, uh, Trabier go up, uh, a useful chest it a pass by uh, our very own former town favourite. The fisherman himself, uh, Luke Norris, um, and then the shot that came from that was uh, was defended, but the the ball went straight to Rob Apter, who Gavin Gunning identified as their as their strength, uh, and and it's a good finish. Luke Norris puts his uh, hands to his ears towards a very quiet town end, um, and it was one one, and that just felt like the the only moment where that was typical Swindon of the 2023-24 season but it's a good finish credit where it's due there has been some criticism for Harrison Minturn in the build-up to this not being strong enough in the in the tussle that resulted in Luke Norris chesting the ball away I think that's unfair there's been a few conversations about whether Harrison Minturn had a good performance or not because he was taken off at halftime I thought that was tactical I'm a, I'm a fan of Harrison Minturn, but I don't think I'm rose-tinted enough to not identify a performance that, that is so bad he has to go off at halftime. I think I thought they were just trying to exploit the, the, the high line that, that Tramier were playing defensively, and Harrison Minturn exploited it once and should have got an assist, but but Charlie Austin, and someone got in his way and he, they whiffed it, and that should have been, that should have been a goal. Harrison Minton was was fine. I, I I didn't see anything in that game that made me go, "Good lord, he was playing out of position." That's fine. It just felt like it it made sense to bring Kakolo on for the second half. Well, a couple of things to address there. There, when Luke Norris had his uh, you know his ears out, he wasn't he wasn't goading the fans for cheering. What he was actually doing is very carefully listening for the um, oxygen bubbles of the trout at Cote Water to think if there was plenty to go and catch later. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, Minton is deputising in a position that is not his, not his usual. I think he had a excellent first half. He should have had a bolted on assist. If I'm Harrison Minton, I'm, I'm raging that I was managed to put that away. I mean, if you if you haven't seen the the wider highlights, they're worth watching just to just to catch a bit of that because he cuts inside right into the box and lays off a very simple pass that seems like 
Austin Anglats have just seen a waffle at twice on the rebound and how it didn't end up in the net, I don't know. He must have been must have been disappointed with that. He was doing a very decent job at right back. And yeah, I think that did feel tactical rather than a punishment or it's not working. I think the idea was that uh, if you bring Kokolo on, that he could do that more. So Minton, I thought, was mm, strong enough in the first shot? I don't think I'd really singled that out. I mean, when it's um, come to McCarthy, that's like a bit like a Sabutio defender. It's kind of pinged off and then gone straight into Apta's path. Not really much you can do in the immediacy. I get it. You just need to be in the way and block it. But, you know, if we're picking holes, you can pick holes in anything. It was very good first half from Minton, but maybe the feeling was that Coca-Cola would have a bit more pace going at them to go through it. It did work. It did exploit it a bit further, but that's not to say it was working badly when Minton was on, just that it was maybe more effective to put somebody else there. But I don't think it was a a criticism on him. I haven't heard the post-match or if he got grilled on that. So... uh, I think I'm thinking with you. I think that seemed tactical. Yeah, interesting conversation because some people were like shout out to Harrison Minter, very solid performance, and others were quite clearly critical. It's one of those things. Oh, we have to mention how bad Tramier were. I don't think they were as bad as as Bradford were for Gunning's other win. And I I, I get the frustrations that some fans are going. It's like, why do we have to dwell on the on the opposition being bad? Maybe we made them look bad. I get that, but Tramier were pretty bad after after the equaliser from there on in, um, to be fair, which was absolutely wonderful to see. I don't mind that at all. You know, I want more teams to be bad against Swindon Town. And I think they they were better than Bradford because they did try and play football at times. And it it was kind of to be patronising. They just weren't good enough to do it, Uh, especially in the first half. They, They should have scored nearer to the end of the half. I know we haven't got to it, but they were playing that high defensive line, which is why you, you have to give Gunning credit because you bring in Hepburn Murphy and he was due a field day and he got it. And that was testament in the second goal where McGee's all at sea and all it needed was just to get that through ball. And it, it was 2-1. And it, I, I, I felt sorry for Rashawn Hepburn Murphy this season. It hasn't worked out for him so far in terms that he missed a large spell. I guess we'll never know whether or how injured he was during that time, but he's come back and he hasn't been red hot since he came back. So to have that game where he got two goals, two deserved goals, was great to see. Yes, absolutely. It was wonderful to see. Um, Yeah, that build-up, that came from that, that, you know, that trap of them... uh, Surging forward, Godwin Belife has uh, lost his fantastic recovery where he's... They want a foul, though, don't they? They they want a foul. Of course, he's on the floor appealing for that, which I think manages to create that gap and that lack of inattention because it's a wonderful, a wonderful diagonal through pass that catches Hepburn Murphy exactly where you want him to be, where he's actually... We know that he's quick, but it's when he can time those runs to trap. And... Keeper's coming out right to the edge of the penalty area. He's taking it round him. and You can't see it from the highlight angle, but certainly from the stand, it almost looked because there's a little bit of a slip and it's almost, there was almost the pinpoint of thinking that maybe it had gone too far, but then it's in there. And then um, 
is going off to celebrate in front of the Tranmere fans. I was thinking that that loan he had can't have been a nice one, but I didn't. That's a surprise to me because I thought he did all right there. Yeah, I mean Liverpool's McGurk went there too. Uh, a former Tranmere player, Hepburn Murphy, went there also, and with Glatzel gleefully, it's good to see none of this uh, downplaying nonsense. Pound the badge. Let's go. They're the past. You shouldn't. Yeah. Um, Kemp's done the same as well. Kemp wound up Swindon fans by (laughs) (laughs) over-celebrating MK Dons' goals. I'm all for it. More of it, please. If anything, I want, like, that's what Charlie Austin did when he he scored against us. You know, he didn't didn't, uh, didn't struggle. He didn't struggle. But, yeah, um, great to see it. And it was probably Godwin Malife's best performance in a while. And he's had Man of the Match recently, too. Um, A very dominant and solid performance by him. Very, very much so. I mean, I was certainly worried when he's left out uh, on the weekend. Um, and the, you know, the reason giving of needing to rest and that he's not, you know, he's played pretty much almost every minute or most of the games or the most minutes, which I can accept. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure I believe that he didn't have a preseason because I thought he was having a contract negotiation with Forest Green. And then we've decided to do a, Swap with Lavinia with them, but maybe that's maybe that's misremembering. But I'm sure that was an aspect of it. But again, there you go. You can give credit for that. That actually giving him the Saturday off and letting him recharge a bit paid dividends. Um, yeah, there was a couple of games, certainly in that run up pre Christmas, where he really looked a bit off the boil. But I think that's a fair shout to say, arguably one of his best, if not the best, performance in red. Hi Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here, enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell Outlook Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with Muck Delivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, Rich here with an exciting offer for listeners of The Lone Strangers. Yes, we've teamed up with NordVPN to help your viewing pleasure so you can watch your favourite things without constantly travelling to the chateau. That's right, NordVPN allows you to watch those sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with just one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. Now to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash strangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll also help support our podcast along the way. You can find the link in the podcast episode description box. Thank you, enjoy, and onwards. Hi, this is Jan Fjortoft, and welcome, and I'm on Loath Strangers. But it's so hard for Norwegian, Love Strangers. The first half ended 2-1, and it was scrappy, and I think some Swindon fans would be like, well, let's see what's going on. And as I said earlier, Tramia showed a few moments where they looked capable of scoring, that was not the case in the second half. 
Tramia without a doubt regressed. Swindon dominated with the ball. It wasn't end to end. It wasn't really. There was no need, and it's good because we've seen, we've said it in recent weeks and months where our opposition haven't needed to step up because they've they've been up against a lacklustre Swindon side. And the good news was it was the other way round for this game. And the fact that we didn't have to bring McCurdy on was great news because that gives him more chance of starting or playing against Harrogate or even better starting against Mansfield or playing more than half hour against Mansfield because because that will be huge if we if we end up with back to back wins, which I fully expect. So it, it was it it was a good no jeopardy second half and it included another goal. Yes, it certainly did. Um, I mean we talked earlier about half man half biscuit, the uh, Birkenhead dwelling Tranmere fans. The only HMHB I saw last night was Hepburn Murphy hailing bullets. That goal lovely stuff. But that goal was that gave him the appetite really to just to just go for it and He's unlucky uh, a few times in that first half to not make it, not make it three. Actually, there's an effort from somebody who I think has got very quiet praise. It's a lovely, a lovely over the top diagonal from I think Dawson Devoy that reaches it that just goes wide of the post, and a later one in the halfway is played through again similarly, and then it's blocked instinctively by the keeper. But yeah, he could have had a hat trick going in. Um, and I think you'll probably feel unlucky for just having the brace. But he's definitely somebody who's endured plenty of criticism. And in that moment, you just think that's somebody who who deserves his flowers on yesterday's performance. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Hepper Murphy would have desperately wanted the opportunity Williams Cocolo had um, to make it 3-1 shortly before, uh, which which he didn't get right. It's funny because Luke McGee, the Tramier goalie, got got that spot on for Cocolo and he was all at sea again for for Hepburn Murphy's um effort. But yeah, it was it was a really nice second half to experience just because of the lack of peril, the lack of jeopardy. And we had the luxury then after scoring the third with what half hour left, including injury time, of being able to bring on Tom Brewitt to shore things up, to bring on Al Buzedi, um, to just, you know, have a go, see how he gets on, to bring on Jake Kane and Aaron Drinnen just before, I think Aaron Drinnen actually came on before the third goal um, for, Hepburn, for for Charlie Austin, sorry. So it was, we were able to take off Godwin Malife and give him a rest because he's not 100%. We were able to bring off Charlie Austin ahead of, of a game against Harrogate, which, you know, they got stuffed by Newport on Tuesday night. But it's one that we, we, we simply should be looking to win also. And then suddenly, suddenly, you know, Mansfield is, is one that there'll be not many expectations. But then there's another back-to-back home games of Accrington and Doncaster. And then well, we'll see what the lay of the land is there, but it's just about restoring that pride, and there are there's great opportunities here. Absolutely, I mean, I mean, the main issue pre pre Christmas we're always, always talk about the depth, having to have you know the under 18s padding out, or sometimes you know doing red eye duty of filling the bench the night after a game and other ridiculous situations like that. To be able to bring five people on comfortably. And be arguably have depth because nobody had a uh, a game where you know to go for their like like for like replacements that seemed like a particular detriment. 
Drilling came very close to uh, having a goal for himself. It was a fine save from McGee from him. Surprised in many ways to see... Well, not really surprised, because I was thinking again about um, about some other discussions on the pod and what we talked about earlier, where if this is, uh, as people say, an extended pre-season leading into next season, then you want to be kind of prioritising people you think would be here. And while I you know, appreciate and enjoy being on the McCurdy hype train, uh, and we are, you know, we are managing him and he's having rehabilitation in many different ways, back to scoring goals, back to getting silly yellows for descent. You know, the good old McCurdy is <laughs> is coming back, but that shouldn't necessarily be a priority in terms of minutes or depth if he's not going to be with us post the summer. That should be a, a secondary priority. So it's good to see uh, people coming in. But I'm so surprised at just how how limp Tranmere came out of the second half because that just felt like there was no jeopardy whatsoever. I was saying to my work colleague here, it felt that rather than, you know, like the Fergie hairdryer treatment, my Nigel Atkins might as well have given them a, you know, a vapour bath and a hot chocolate <laughs> and sent them back out. Oh, it, it did seem that way, didn't it? And I think what what really stood out for me in, in terms of Tramier's lack of performance in the second half is in the first half, they were still trying to move it around, trying to sort of make the space and find the gap to sort of run into the box. But in the second half, they were just shooting from distance, way into the Stratton bank each and every time. All day long, I'm happy to see that. And they just seemed to just give up, which was fantastic. And maybe it's because we were too resilient. We, we, they just couldn't break through. Who knows? But they just, their heads dropped. And well, we gave, they, they at least their fans had a good goal to celebrate, but they're only you know, three points behind us and have a better goal difference. So they could be above us again by the weekend, the end of the weekend. It's so weird, the bottom at the moment, because you can't see anyone above Colchester really getting into bother now. Um, Sutton beat Notts County. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a proper scrap as it always is. If if we if we're saying that it's over for Swindon, the Tramier are, are on the beach and it's a dangerous place to be, really. But oh, it, it, it was a really slack performance. But I don't want to dwell on that too much because I think we I just think we we outdid them. Yeah, it's it's not a great indication. And Matt in Singapore noticed this as well that they managed to get the ball in the back of the net, but unfortunately, it's the back of one of the upturned goals that's in the Stratton Bank way out on the right-hand side. Yeah, lovely. I suppose that's the other thing about thinking about, you know, if it's if it's about minutes, if it's about the season gone, then, you know, complacency can kind of set in and gunning and the uh, the wider team at Swindon Town can't really afford to be complacent because there's another season to sell people on, there's accounts to publish, there's trust AGMs to happen. It's a time where, you know, the good times... And the good vibes uh, will do a lot, especially um, when Ronald Koeman comes to bid. <laughs> Nicely done. Because I was just about to go, come on, Jaya, <laughs> let's leave that for the time being. Uh, Swindon won the clash for 17th uh, over Tramier. So that's where we sit at the moment. A good win against Harrogate could see us rise up to 15th. Um, depends on results elsewhere. But... 
we're still not a million miles away from 19th and 20th. Um, it's worth pointing out that every single side above Swindon has either a game in hand or two games in hand on us. And that is the thing that really I can't shrug off. So when people say, well, this is, we're going to have a huge rise, the fact that not all of these games are going to end up in draws, all these game in hands, and it's going to allow us in, I think I need to see what the real lay of the land is once those once goes. So that's why I think it's a bit of a, a false economy when people go, well, we're only, what was it, eight points adrift from the playoffs. I think the fact that every team above us has a game in hand will be damning and here's me talking about a playoff push where nobody else is so I'm to blame for this question yeah I don't know why you thought that was going to come from <laughs> it has been I mean it's 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 stark to look um at the wider league table and just just see how how few points are actually acquired across the whole board and we've seen we've seen some teams like we say about Warsaw or Crawley shooting up the table with you know, not huge points tallies. It is it is quite a low yield, and it is a some would say competitive league, a bit yo yo-y, a bit turgid in some other ways. Um, I don't think it's been the oh the the teams with the big money could just spend their way and dominate you. The table certainly doesn't say that. So yeah, I mean, I think I stand by you know my my theory, my thought that Gunning knows that there are wins on the way because he's looking at his home run in and it's Harrogate, Accrington, Stanley, Doncaster, Notts County who are dire at the moment, Wimbledon and Morecambe. They're all winnable games. It's isn't it nice just to be able to do this game by game because then I would dwell too much on how much we messed the season up that for once the the, the lay of the land in the run in is quite kind to us. If we were a little bit better, we'd be right in it. But that's not what's happened, I'm afraid. No, is this a point where I have to say come on at this stage? I think I think there is I think there is merit at least to say that you know if you've got a run in like that especially with the home form then the away performances might be for the birds if you get uh, if you get some reasonable enough attendances and some fun home wins yeah that might be enough to uh, to get people on board we are and I include myself in this before people take this as a judgment we are quite fickle as a fan base so I'm I'm as fickle as anybody else and so you know good results can do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think we're going up. I don't think... I didn't say we're going up. I'm not... I'm I'm very much on the game-by-game basis. I I think we're in a sort of purgatory where I don't think it's a a seven-month pre-season because I don't know what our squad will look like. Maybe it's more of a seven... It's like a a great coach course for for Gavin Gunning. Who needs a qualification when you've got the real thing for, for several months, which, you know, could be more the case. We're going to beat Harrogate. And we're going to beat them convincingly and the noise will come back. I think when we're talking about Beamish line, I think that will be passed. And I think the rhetoric, my prediction is that the, the narrative of the season will be if only Flynn did just play the same lineup for weeks and weeks and weeks, we might have done better. But ultimately, I shrug my shoulders. It could be that. I'm more going for the um, uh, a few showpiece performances at home. Beamish line will be... Uh... <laughs> We'll be below the Beamish line, but safe, and um, have some things to think about. Flynn would probably argue if only he had the players, but who knows about that? Indeed, indeed. Yeah, it's, I, I cannot wait for the end of season episode this year. It's going to be quite the discussion. Uh, Man of the match, it was a joy, really, to have to clock up 
potentials. It, it wasn't a standout in terms of in terms of one person who was clearly better than the rest. It was a three horse race between Yudoka Godwin, Malife, Sean McGurk, and the winner of the listeners' man of the match was Rashan Hepper Murphy. I don't think I would give him man of the match, but you get the choice, JR. Who are we going for? Well, I thought, I, I, I maybe I'm cynical about sponsors that I think it's going to be the, you know, like the Junior Robin choice that they'll just go for the goal scorer or they'll choose somebody like... Who who did the, the sponsors go for? The, the sponsors went for Godwin Malife, which actually quite surprised. That seemed quite, quite objective rather than go for the the goal-scoring superstar. Um, so I'm pleased he's got the fans' vote because I think he deserves recognition. I always feel maybe a bit too diplomatic about these things, and I feel like honourable mention as well to uh, Powell Glatzel in the Dan Kemp role, who I, there's so much that because he's not the not the person getting the glory, must be noted that he was doing so much neat stuff, neat movement. It deserves acknowledgement for that. But I think actually might favour McGurk. And then I feel like everybody who had the standout performances has been honoured in various stances. Is that fair? It is absolutely fair. And I would have gone McGurk too. So we're well, we go. in it's meant to be. But the fact that Godwin Malife has got the sponsors, so he gets the he gets the beverage and the photos. Hepper Murphy gets the listeners and uh, McGurk gets the pod. Just feels right. Exactly. Everything feels very right in the world that everybody gets uh, the acknowledgement that they deserve. A good performance. Happy times, JR. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on you Reds! Come on Swindon! Hi LS Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.